In last week's episode, we explored the importance of commitment in relationships, but the power of commitment is something that affects so many aspects of our day-to-day experience. So today we're going to look at the bigger picture and what role your commitments are playing in shaping your life. So I'm going to share why it's a myth that you're not able to commit, why commitment has the power to shape your life, why there's confusion around commitments, and I'll give you my thoughts on how you can choose commitments that truly support you. Plus, we'll look at why it's important to do a commitment audit, and I'm going to tell you how you can do that. So, what are you committed to? It's a really important question, so let's dive in. Welcome to the Be A Brilliant Human podcast with me, Joel Young. If you're looking to improve your life, to heal, to grow and mature as an individual, but maybe you found that some of the personal development and consciousness stuff has given you the impression that you need to be super serious and vigilant to get anywhere meaningful or feeling like maybe you're just not up to snuff. Well, this show is here to remind you of your humanity and in fact that that's where your true joy and brilliance lies. With over 25 years of experience in the transformation biz and having developed MPA, one of the world's simplest pressure-free approaches to growth and well-being, if I do say so myself, I'll be sharing tips, steps and insights that'll help you navigate all the aspects of life as a growth-seeking being. On this show, it comes to you with a good dose of humour, maybe a smattering of colourful language, a reminder not to take things so personally, and most importantly, to be kind to yourself along the way. Make sure you hit that follow button, and let's get into it. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Be A Brilliant Human podcast with me, Joel Young. I'm delighted that you're here. We are at episode 102, 102 which means two things. Firstly, if you want to see the show notes for today, you just go to www.beabrillianthuman.com slash 102102. And it also means there's 101 previous episodes for you to binge listen to if you're brand new. And if you've listened to them before, you can always revisit them. (laughs) Always get a bit more on a second run through and even more on a third. You never know. And uh, if you are new, I'm so delighted that you've found this show. I hope that you enjoy today's. And if you do, make sure you go hit that follow button or subscribe button, whichever flavor it is. I do believe Apple's now changed it to follow, which I think is what it is on Spotify. But you know what I mean. Hit the button that says you're going to hear every time that I let, let I put a new podcast out. You'll know what it is. Uh, and it does wonderful things for the algorithm and all that wonderful stuff. So I'd appreciate it. And if you if you resonate with this show, hit that button, whatever flavor it is. So as I said in the intro this week, I'm kind of doing a follow up to last week's ranty episode on commitment in relationships. Now, I say ranty, but I've actually had several people now get in touch with me, uh, emails and uh, and directly and say, Joel, that wasn't much of a rant. <laughs> fail (laughs) i think what they were trying to say is i did it with a smile um (laughs) but i think it definitely uh touched some buttons in some people and uh in a good way uh, make people think about certain things which is what i always hope with this show that it, it sort of stirs the pot a bit gives you some perspectives to chew on and hopefully guides you in some way to things that resonate with you that make your life flow in a smoother way. So by the way, on that note, 
uh, from last week's episode. You know, I talked a bit in that episode about, I mean, the key of it was the main myth with commitment and relationships was that, you know, commitment's not bondage. It doesn't trap you. It, it really is about presence. It's about fully being there. And the other side of that, which I really didn't go into last time, is that if you're on the receiving end of somebody who isn't, uh, if someone's not committed in that way, and that can be challenging in various ways. And some of us can get stuck in those relationships, even though we know better. So I'll point you to a couple of support products that I've got there. So um, firstly, one of the reasons we stay in those kind of toxic relationships is because we're susceptible to manipulation. Some of the really not so nice people in this world um, have a tendency to have very bad relational behavior and somehow make you think like it's all your fault or it's not really happening, even though things are kicking off in you, like something's off. Um, so if that's something you recognize, then, then I recommend you check out Bulletproof. Bulletproof is a program which will show you all seven manipulation tactics and how to handle them so that you don't get stuck being feeling like you're crazy and being manipulated you just need to go and i'll put both by the way both of these i'm going to recommend to you i'll put links in the show notes for you but the link for that is again www.thenpaacademy.com bulletproof if you want to check that out and bulletproof actually the content of bulletproof is part of a much bigger program called boundary boot camp because understanding the manipulations is part of having really healthy boundaries and another thing that i see with people get stuck in um in relationships where the person they're with doesn't have that commitment and they're very difficult is because we have poor boundaries uh so if you recognize that and by the way i could really go off on one of the importance of boundaries in your life having healthy boundaries but nobody really tells us and especially good-hearted people um, we tend to be taught that uh, somehow it's nicer to have no boundaries or in some schools of thought, it's more spiritual <laughs> to have no boundaries. Well, it's not being a brilliant human, my friend. <laughs> so Boundary Boot Camp is like a four-week roll-your-sleeves-up program. Um, and so if you want to go and check it out, find out all about it, you can again go to www.thempaacademy.com slash boundary hyphen bootcamp. Have a look at that. And also check out those links. They'll be in the show notes. All right. So, yeah, so in relationships, it's about commitment being his presence, as in being there in your relationship. But I wanted today to take it a little bit wider because, as I said in the intro, commitment is something that affects so many different areas of, you know, of our lives. And so I think today what I want to do is look at how that threads into all different aspects of our lives. And I noticed that there were certain myths again um that sort of keep us from really being conscious and mindful of what our commitments are and of course how the hell if you realize you're committed to the crappy stuff do you get committed to the good stuff sound good all right let's do this okay so i want to start off with talking about i want to confront one of the the biggest myths so i would say it's it's kind of a lie that we tell ourselves when it comes to commitment and it's when we tell ourselves that, you know, I don't commit. I'm not someone who easily commits. I'm not someone who um, who is committed to much or, you know, is that kind of flavor. So it's a bit of an illusion, the idea that that 
it's it's somehow you know that you're not committed to something because here's the truth my friend <laughs> the truth according to Joel at least <laughs> which is you are committed you are very committed to a whole bunch of things in your life you're always committed to something so the question is and you might be saying well how, how do you how can you say that well, I'm committed to we just have to look around the things that you do regularly are the things that you commit to now it might not seem obvious because most of the conversation around commitment especially when it comes to practices like being healthy and all those kind of things um, it, it comes with a whole slew of other ideas but the fact that you're saying it's it's you know I'm not very good at committing to a specific health regime for example um, and if you then generalize that to I'm not good at committing that's doing yourself a misservice it's like if you can acknowledge that actually you are superb at committing because you already commit to a bunch of things then the possibilities change enormously and in my opinion you're much more aligned with yourself because it changes the conversation because then you start asking a really helpful question which is what am I actually committed to you know what is it I mean let's let's go full circle here if you're someone I'm somebody who doesn't commit oh I never commit I don't like commitment then you're probably really committed to um, inconsistency or maybe it's adventure <laughs> or excitement one of those things it'll be a different flavor for you but you're still committed to something it's like you can't escape the fact that you're you're committed at some level in some way um, and often that's the case that's what's happening is it's we are we find you know and we'll talk a bit later about doing a commitment audit that we find that what we're actually committed to begets us sabotaging behaviors on what we want because that's where the, the usually the conversation around commitment comes it's like you say you want something you don't get it you know and you don't understand why you don't get what you want um you know and in that case I'd say you're probably committing to something that doesn't do that and basically if it's not getting you what you want the thing you're committing to you're you're committed to something that's off for you that's that's out of alignment in some way or maybe there's a big secondary gain to that committing to something that's off for you but ultimately any secondary gain what I mean by a secondary gain is it gives you something um, that's perceived as a benefit but really is a poor shadow of what you really want <laughs> again we kid ourselves so many layers of kidding ourselves but in a way it's just a deeper commitment and a secondary gain is just a way of hiding it from ourselves you know well it gives me safety yeah but safety is that really what you want or, or is the the gambit of safety the secondary gain uh, that keeps keeps your life small and safe and means you don't have to be vulnerable perhaps um, which would then ultimately grow and you could become the person that you say you want to become so it's this kind of area where you have to be really honest with yourself but basically you're you're committed to something I mean I literally just today I opened Facebook yes it's back up and by the way I listen to the future this is <laughs> this is a day or so after the big the big 2121 Facebook Instagram WhatsApp shutdown <laughs> we were all shocked our lives were massively impacted well I'm sure some people's were but you know it was a day off social media for the rest of us <laughs> anyway I digress where the hell was I completely thrown myself so that's right I read something on Facebook today it was up that was where my weird train of thought went so the post I read, and to give credit where it's due, was by Amanda Malcolm Brown. Never heard of her before, but um, 
it was shared on some one of my friends' timelines. But the point and why I wanted to share it is because she's laying out a point around commitment. So in her post, and I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes if you want to see it written out, because I'm going to paraphrase it probably badly. Um, but she talks about how in the past she's worked in different kind of bars. So she's w- worked in bars where there's like sort of expensive cocktails at $17 a shot. And people would you know buy $100 bottles of wine and, and still tip and everything's really, really cool. Um, and then she worked in a sort of a health juice bar. And then it would be like for a, you know, a large glass or container of juice filled with vitamins and nutrients and really good for you uh, was like $10. And she said the difference was that people will come in, you'd say it's $10 for that. And they go like, really? Oh my God, how can you charge that? And then begrudgingly hand over their money. And I thought that was a really interesting sort of take on it. And she goes on to say how it, it demonstrates how we value things differently so and if i phrase that she's using the word value but they're very interlinked what our commitment is to and what we value the point she was making there is people will begrudgingly or won't be willing to pay for coaching or for um you know gym membership or whatever it is that would support them in their health health but they don't quibble over paying fortunes for posh bottles of wine or or alcohol or even if it's just the coffee thing and they you know they spend hundreds a month for their daily lattes um, things that you know potentially are not as healthy as uh, <laughs> as the other stuff as the juices now of course that's all the question of dogma and what you think is good for you and what's not but fundamentally the point is it's it's one of those things where where's the commitment there the commitment there i mean you could argue it's the commitment to alcohol or booze but i'm going to argue that in a way it's a commitment to whatever it is that that, that they perceive the alcohol and you know the, the paying large inflated prices going out versus the health and the coaching is it's like the commitment is not on the coaching but often the conversation is oh i must get healthy all the rest of it but those kind of actions are demonstrations of where our commitments don't necessarily meet what we say they want. Or it's just a matter of, you know, looking at our commitments are a demonstration of our priorities. And some people would argue, I'm, I'm all for free choice, but some people would say <laughs> that the, uh, the commitment to, uh, to hedonism isn't as good for you as commitment to juices and health. Oh, that's a whole, that's a discussion for another day. But you get my point. It's like, where is the commitment in these cases? And the interesting thing that I find is that whatever the commitment is, where you find your commitment, you know, when you start investigating and going, what am I actually committed to? Uh, taking on that you are, you are able to commit. In fact, you're excellent at committing to things. If you examine that, you'll probably find that those commitments came along pretty effortlessly. Which brings us to the commitment myth number two, that commitment is hard. <laughs> it doesn't have to be hard. It's, and here's, it's, it's going to be a subtle distinction, this one. It's not that commitment itself is hard. I think the confusion here is that the tricky bit sometimes is that actually shifting your commitments is a process. And the process doesn't necessarily have to be hard. If you look at some of my episodes around taking things baby step by baby step, I'm going to talk a little bit more about micro commitments coming up. 
But that's a thing that is perceived as hard. So committing isn't hard because we do it effortlessly all the time. You know, we commit to a sale. You know, we watch a we watch a nice ad. We want something. We buy it. We commit to. I mean, there's all sorts of things we commit to, and it's not a hard thing. We just kind of do it. You know, most of the habits in our lives, good and bad, are commitments that we've made uh, along the way. They've just kind of happened. So what can be, you know, a challenge perhaps, but I would say more helpful is to think of it as a process, is shifting your commitments from one thing when you identify it as being not helpful, given what you want in the moment, to something which is more supportive. And we're going to get into that process a little bit later. So moving on from there, it brings us or illustrates how commitment is so powerful in terms of shaping our lives. So I want to sort of unpack that a little bit for you. So where I'm coming from there is what happens when you commit to something? I'm going to say that in a way, commitment by itself breeds practice. If you commit to something, it tends to follow that, say it's it's a behavior, for example, it tends to be something that you do regularly. But that really comes from the, the commitment starts really with a mindset. It's where your focus is. So there's this cycle of, I guess it's it's mindset, focus, practice and repetition, which then builds and it's through that mechanism of, of that cycle in response to what you're committing to that begins to shape your life. So you get like a response, then there's usually a behavior, there's an experience that comes from that. And then over time, what that does is it tends to build an identity. And again, if you've listened to this show for a length of time, you know I talk a lot about non-personal awareness and MPA, which works at an identity level. And I often say that, you know, when, you shift an identity, those behaviors, beliefs, and emotions shift all by themselves. So in a sense, often we build those identities from our commitments because the practices build the identity and then the identity takes over and then it's in charge. So I guess what I'm saying really, or alluding to here, is that there's a strong uh, link or, or crossover between identity and commitment, which kind of brings us on to sort of you know, what are you committing to, really? So with that in mind, I want to talk a bit about, I guess, committing to states versus outcome. And I talked a little bit about this in last week's episode um, about committing to states of being. So I have a perspective, which I'm going to say right up front is not always true, but it's it's not a bad sort of starting point when you're thinking about what you're choosing to commit to. So generally, I think it, it can be really useful to consider committing to states, states of being, sometimes you might think of them as feelings versus a particular outcome. Now, again, I'm going to be really clear, there's times when it's really powerful to commit to an outcome if you're doing something project based or, or whatever. But I think when you commit to a state of being, there's there's sort of inevitably more flexibility in the outcome. It's kind of less constraint and you're kind of open to more creative outcomes while keeping a very clear commitment. So in a way, where I'm coming at from this, and I've talked about this in, in previous episodes, 
is often we look at outcomes or external things in order to meet an internal desire, which is usually uh, an emotion of some kind, you know. So if I had a million pounds fall into my lap, then it means I could buy stuff. That's an external thing and have certain things. But ultimately, why do I want that? I want that because I want to feel free or I want to feel um, secure or those kind of things. So normally at the baseline, when we look at all of our desires and intentions, it usually comes back to some internal state. So in terms of commitment, um, I'm a big fan of committing to the underlying state that is desired from the outcome because then you can stay committed to that which is very powerful um, and be flexible about how to use a kind of woo-woo phrase how the universe responds to that but again i'm not saying that that it's never um, aligned and a very powerful and a very healthy thing to commit to certain more outcome based things which kind of brings us when i talk about that sort of underlying desire or emotion or the state of being it comes back to that identity piece. So again, at the end of last episode, or towards the end of la last week's episode, I talked about, you know, who do you want to be in relationship? That's specifically because I think that state of being um, is a very powerful place to be in, and a place where your flexibility, your commitment, and your identity, flexibility, your commitment, and your identity align, allowing the flexibility that allows our humanity to breathe. And of course, then the actions will reflect that beingness and and sort of anchor in going back to what I said before, which is there's this cycle of from the commitment comes the practice, the focus, the repetition, the experience, and that supports the identity. So you end up becoming the person that you want to be from which many expressions in terms of outcomes can come into being and hence you shape your life. So. We're coming back now to you know what are you committing to um where is that really working for you and where is it not which brings us to the commitment audit so let's talk about that now so what is a commitment audit i know it sounds super sexy and inspiring <laughs> i did but an audit, I know it's, it, look, I know it's not sexy for most people. Okay, you're an accountant, it's sexy to you, I know. Um, but for most people, it doesn't sound very sexy. But it, I kind of, I kind of play on that. There's a number of my programs where I use audits. I think it's really important to get a sense of where you are. Again, something I come back to time and time again is that empowerment is most effective, self-empowerment, if you start where you are. And for the most part, people don't take the time to, with humility and a willingness to be, you know, super honest with themselves, ruthlessly honest, you could almost say, uh, to get a sense of where they actually are before they begin. And that's kind of, for me, what the audit process is about. So if it comes to a commitment audit, it's really about what am I committed to right now? So things that can help you with that is you can look for the repeated patterns and experiences that show up in your life. And you really need to do an inquiry process, which is, which is really asking yourself, so what am I actually, in terms of that repetition, in terms of those repeated experiences, what is it that I 
might be committed to that consistently means I end up choosing the behaviors and the actions and things that um, that bring that to me. So I had a client today and who'd listened to the podcast and she was saying that for her listening to the in terms of um, commitment in relationship because I was talking about uh, commitment to relationship isn't having your eye out the door or a foot half out the door looking for the next person that's coming along. That's not commitment. It's not presence. It's none of that stuff. And she said to me, well, there's there's the other side of that. You know, what if you're in a situation where, you know, you find you're committed to somebody or somebody else's needs or, uh, you know, you, you find you're, you're, you're committed to the relationship, but they're being basically a, a bugger. <laughs> They're off with their eyes out elsewhere, which is part of why I mentioned Bulletproof and Boundary Bootcamp earlier. And that's a really good example of when you when you look at those repeated patterns, maybe staying in a relationship past at sell-by date, staying with toxic people, for example. So what are you actually committed to? The story is I'm committed to the relationship. But are you? So the question is, maybe there's something else in there that you're committed to. Maybe you're committed to an idea of loyalty. Um, which transcends health, you know, your own well-being. So it really is, I can't give a sort of blanket answer to these things, but this is my invitation for you to inquire. If you notice there are unhealthy patterns, then watch for those those stories. For example, uh, it could be that you're committed to their needs above your needs. So you stay in these crappy relationships because somehow the commitment in you is is committed to somebody else's needs in in favor of putting yours down the list now when you get into it and this is a whole different topic you can get into why that's the case what's going on underneath the surface and all those kind of things but just the awareness of what you're actually committing to is a really powerful thing because once you get the realization of what you're committed to you can ask the really important question which is how's that working out for me So commitments where, for example, you're, you're committing to the idea of loyalty and over, you know, putting up with crazy behavior in your direction, it's a good chance to question yourself whether that's a commitment that you'd like to keep. And that's the point of this audit. It's like, is that a commitment that works for me now? Maybe it worked in the past, or is it something that perhaps I'd like to change? Which brings you on to the next step, which is, are you ready and willing to shift your commitment? You know, are you willing to shift that? And that's a question that you just got to sit with. And by the way, it's it's one thing to say, yes, I'm ready to do it. Another thing to make then, then make that a rod for your back where you suddenly have to change overnight, make a sudden shift, you know, and just weaponize it basically. Um, and also it's okay to say, no, no, I'm not ready. I'm not ready yet to change that commitment. There may be other ones you want to focus on first. So then... But when you do reach that state of where you're willing to shift the one that isn't working out for you, you know, what would work better? You know, what would be really the, you know, what could benefit you more? What would be more in alignment with you now? And this is something just that's a matter of exploration of, you know, what would feel better. And normally when you get really clear on how crappy the one, your current commitments are, and if that's the case, um, the inspirations tend to come. And you don't have to sort of pick, like say, I'm going to pick something and stick to it for the rest of my life, although that seems like the nature of commitment. 
but it's a matter of just exploring you know what could be different how could i commit to something else this is where rather than committing say to a certain behavior you could commit to certain states of being like for example in the case of my client today um what she came to really commit to was, was to put her well-being first that's a friggin wonderful commitment that still leaves loads of room for different expressions and behaviors um but it, and it is kind of a it's a commitment to putting that sense of it well that inner feeling sense of well-being over and above other things that previously may have caused a lot of pain and in it there's loads of room for exploration so another sort of example of of that is what we do in the in mpa mastery which is the practitioner's training so one of the things that's core to uh, to mpa and and working with mpa in a really graceful way is what i call animation animation is a willingness to to notice where where the ripe fruit is in the transformation process within people and one of the things i do early in the practitioners program is invite a commitment to the animation because it's so central to mpa because why because it gives you um, a way to work in a really agendaless open humble way that brings your practice into a state where you're resistance free you have more flexibility it can be effortless and flat fun you have this explorative mindset um, it brings if you commit to animation this, this sort of exceptional sensitivity sort of the energetic shifts and signs and signals that that support your clients in finding their own natural path of transformation healing and growth now this is a huge benefit this is one of the great things about people who train and become practitioners in mpa um, as a as a coach or a therapist whatever the modality you're using when you come to commit to animation it shifts who you are in relation to the coaching or um, healing process that you do with your client which ripples through to benefits to your client and benefits to them and in the process of designing and really looking at what was the core thing i wanted to impart as part of mpa mastery I kind of identified what my experience had been in terms of previous trainings where it's often committing to uh, certain um, practices or techniques and those kind of things versus what was the thing that made the difference certainly in my practice over the years and certainly has come to me through MPA and then really examine what the benefit of that was which helps people who come to the training to understand why that makes sense and then as I've laid out before from that commitment then the experience and reinforcement and identity shifts over time so it's powerful to understand from what's probably and this has been reported to me from the people that have gone through practitioners is that often in those practitioner trainings there the commitment is kind of to the the, the mechanics of a process um, but in this commitment to animation within mpa it, it opens up way more um ability to be flexible and resistance free with your clients which makes a lot of difference even when it comes to using other methodologies um and now i've spouted off about that i ought to put the links i'll put the link to mpa mastery which the next intake is uh, february 2022 but if you listen to this way after 
if you just go to www.thempaacademy.com slash MPA mastery, then you can check that out. If you're listening to this and you're a coach or a therapist and will be interested in that, go take a look. Or if you're just curious and nosy, you've got no interest in being a practitioner, go and have a look. And particularly look at the, uh, there's a video on that page actually, which is some feedback from the people that have been through it. And it really kind of lays this out. And they point out how there's things they can do because of their kind of commitment to animation. So the other thing I wanted to talk about here is, you know, once you decide what it is that is going to be a more uh, supportive and helpful commitment, um, then it's about really putting that into practice. If you're committing to a state, this is where that becomes a lot easier. But again, I want to use an example again, which I came across on social media uh, today, which is a good example of micro commitments. I think micro commitments uh, that support a larger commitment are a great way on a, in, a practic in practical terms to deal with our sort of hu human resistance to these kind of things. And it's actually uh, Charlotte, Charlotte Kanye, who is actually on the practitioner's training at the moment with MPA. And I saw her post today, she's been talking about this process. She's got a bunch of old bricks out the back and the idea was to build a wall, um, you know, dig out some earth, and it was very, very overwhelming, but she wanted to do it. So she made the commitment to one brick a day. <laughs> She'd take one brick, clean it off, stick it in a pile so she could build the, the new wall that she wanted to create. And the simpleness of one brick a day made all the difference for her. And then today's post that I saw was, was her pile of bricks and how... Uh, and her experience of the process of how it, it became very automatic and effortless. And often she'd do more than one, of course, because that's the power of commitment or the micro commitment. Um, and her next phase was because she had to do some digging for the foundation of the wall was one spade a day. And I love that example of, of the power of micro commitments. And to me, those micro commitments doesn't mean you're committing less. It's chunking down the process of a bigger commitment uh, which is a very powerful thing to do. It's really, really helpful. All right, then I think that wraps this up for today. And uh, just to kind of recap on it, I think the main points I want to get across to you today is that commitment doesn't have to be hard. In fact, most of the time it isn't. We do it automatically. And I think the biggest block to really invoking the power of commitment is this idea that it's hard or that you're just not somebody who's good at committing. So the invitation today is to look at what are you actually committing to and, you know, look at the patterns, do an audit, look at the patterns that are already going on and do some self-inquiry about what it is in essence that you're committing to and check, is that working for you? And if it's not, ponder and wonder what it is that you could commit to instead and then different thoughts around that one thing that I, I offer is that maybe if you focus on states rather than outcomes that's a good way to give you the flexibility especially if you're kind of uh, control averse um, <laughs> that's a good way to to go about it um, and also consider micro commitment so you can realize that there's, there's a big picture commitment that you want to make and then if there's a way in terms of your behaviors that will support that, that you can chunk down like Charlotte's one brick a day idea, that's a really great way to support yourself. But whatever you're committing to at the moment is a huge part of what's shaping 
your identity and your life at large. So I hope this has been helpful. Do let me know. Um, I'm always open to feedback through the usual channels. I think that's it for today. Thanks so much for being here. I'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this show, I'd love you to do me a solid and tell someone about it. They can find us on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and most other podcast platforms. Plus, if you visit the website, www.babrillianhuman.com, you can share the show notes to social media and make my day. Also, make sure you hit that follow button. And if you haven't yet downloaded the MPA process sheet, head on over to joelyoungmpa.com and get your free copy today. Big love and see you next time.